How are we doing guys? It's Matt Whitmore here and this is episode 17 of Fitter Food Radio and exciting times once again because we have the awesome Emma Myhill on the show. Um, we had some amazing feedback from the, I think it was episode 13, it wasn't even that 13. long ago. Um, we haven't done that many since, we need to put our finger out. Um, and we've had loads of people just saying how amazing the episode was and that could we get her back on? So we thought, why not? Let's do it. Let's get her on. Uh, we put it out there to get some questions in, and we've got a, a good chunk of some awesome questions. We had so many, but obviously we don't want this to be a three-hour podcast. Um, but the good news is, because there's loads of questions, we could always get her back. So there you go. You know, we'll, we'll always have plenty to talk about. But anyway, um, Emma is here with us, as well as uh, Keris. Say hello, Keris. Hello, Keris. <laughs> you always, you always, I'm going to get you to intro a podcast one day. <laughs> yeah, you should. I said you should do one. That, that will surprise the listeners. <laughs> You've um, got the like radio presenter voice, though. You yeah. say I've got, a, got a face for radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Emma, um, Emma's here with us again, which is awesome. We love it when we can do these interactive podcast rather than Skype which can be temperamental. Emma's... I love it too because you feed me. <laughs> we have got a beast of a chicken in the oven with god knows what else copious amounts of vegetables it's smelling pretty damn good actually. Sweet potato chips. Yum. Um, and Emma has bought some of her uh, her famous chocolate round and there's a few new new recipes right? Yeah. What are the new flavours actually? I've been playing so I was soaking mulberries right. in um, amaretto Oh, nice. That was good, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And then dehydrating them. And then popping them in a chocolate recipe with coffee. So it's coffee, amaretto and mulberry. So it's like the perfect after-dinner chocolate, basically. I must admit, I I got a whiff of some earlier. I'm yet to try. I'm going to save it for after the dinner. I'm quite impressed that you haven't dived straight in this time. (laughs) Did you notice, though, that when I gave it to him, he sneaked it in the kitchen? (laughs) He did it already. (laughs) You didn't even get a look in. (laughs) I didn't even know you brought any. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to a bit of that. And I'll give my stamp of approval. Oh, good, thanks. How many flavours do you have now? Well, uh, to, to sell, I only have seven. Um, and it's cardamom and black pepper, uh, sour cherry, chilli and almond, mint, vanilla, peanut butter, and then dark. Peanut butter, that would be my favourite, definitely. Have you tried the peanut butter? I think I, think I did. I think last yeah. time I always buy at least two bars when I go <laughs> into snowfields. So. Last time I think it was the rum and raisin that I had, which was awesome and I ate the whole bar (laughs) (laughs) in five minutes I may have shared a little bit with Keris where do you get the inspiration for flavours from um talk do you know actually talking to people and asking them what their favourite flavoured chocolate I enjoy creating chocolate for people who love chocolate don't think that it's healthy and then I ask them what their favourite flavours are and then I put together a recipe and then they love it. So, for example, um, I asked someone recently, you know, what's your favourite flavoured chocolate? And they said rum and raisin. And I thought, mm-hmm. how am I going to, <laughs> to recreate rum and raisin? And actually medicine flowers, which I think we spoke about yeah. on the yeah, last podcast. Did, yeah. yeah. So medicine flowers actually have a rum flavour. And it really does. Well, you, t- you tasted it. Yeah, it tastes like amazing. rum, doesn't it? So then I think and the last time I made it, I actually soaked raisins in real rum and then dehydrated them again. And then so you've got that little element of real rum in there as well as medicine flower rum. Oh, lovely. And then I put some crystallised ginger in there, but it wasn't the supermarket crystallised ginger, it's xylitol ginger. Oh, wow. Where'd you get that from? Make it. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, so, so you get the ginger and then just roll yeah. it in. So, so I'll grate ginger yeah. so that it's, you know, when you grate ginger, it turns into like a bit of a liquidy. So, mess. as in ginger root? Real, real <clears throat> ginger root. Oh, wow, okay. And then I'll um, cover it in xylitol, like blend it all together. Yeah. And then I'll put it, I mean, I have a dehydrator, which is quite handy. Yeah. Keris broke out. I know. And then you take it out and it's crystallised ginger. But no, it's xylitol crystallised ginger. Oh, and you can imagine that in chocolate, and you've got this texture of this. It tastes like, You'll be like stem ginger. Tonight, stem ginger. Though, I can tell that's going to be your mission. <laughs> no, because what I was doing was buying the ginger from the supermarket and yeah. soaking it in hot water to get rid of all the sugar. Because ah. it was covered in sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I would put yeah. that in chocolate because my mum loves yeah. chocolate ginger. Yes. Yeah. Chocolate ginger is lovely. Chocolate isn't it? ginger's. Anything ginger's. 
really winner. Nice, yeah. And then we were using <laughs> sweet ginger powder from Steamberg. So they have a really oh, nice, nice ginger powder. That was yeah, that was quite good. I'm going to start thinking of some ideas and I'm going to send them over to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for, some, for some new creations. I, I had a client actually recently who I made her chocolate specifically. Yeah. She um, cannot have anything with corn in it at the moment because she's reacting to it. Right. And if you actually look on ingredients, and this is not just in food, but this is also chemically in products, etc. Yeah. Corn is in almost everything. Really? And, and it, she said to me, I want to buy your chocolate, but obviously xylitol sometimes can be corn-based. It's not no guaranteed way. that it's not. But it doesn't tell you, does it? It doesn't tell you. No, it's either birch tree or corn-based, and hopefully you'd pay for a decent... One that isn't, it's birch tree and not corn based. She was really gutted because she loves chocolate. Yeah, who doesn't? And, exactly. Who actually, doesn't some, actually? Pe- some people don't. No, really? Some people who? don't. I've yet to, <laughs> I've yet to I personally someone. don't trust people that don't <laughs> chocolate. Well, yeah, um, but I actually made, I said to her, look, I'll make you a chocolate that's coconut sugar derived and then you, you know that you guarantee that it's safe. Now, and that's that's where I get to, because to, so I said to her, what flavours do you like? And she said hazelnut. And so then I start to play around with, well, hazelnut works quite well with vanilla, um, and I ended up soaking hazelnuts and then um, coating them in vanilla powder and coconut sugar and then dehydrating them so that you've got a crunchy kind of vanilla hazelnut effect running through the chocolate. Sounds as well. Oh my god. Yeah, so, so I, can't, I suppose I get I get my ideas just from playing. And and the blackcurrant and licorice one that I bought for you today, yeah. I did that flavour because years ago, do you remember those purple sweets that you used to get that were blackcurrant and licorice? I can't remember what they were called, but Blackjacks. No, no not blackjacks, blackjacks no. not blackjacks. Just it was just blackcurrant and licorice, yeah. I can't yeah. And they were delicious, and I always thought, I wonder if I could do that in a chocolate, and, and it really, it sounds random. Who else has really tried nice. this, though? Quite a few people oh. have tried it. <laughs> I thought I was You're going to try like it. The, I thought it was like the first <laughs> official tester. Yeah. I'm trying to think of flavours now. I was thinking pear drops, because well, you pear, pear drops. drops. Should, we, should we move on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah probably. <laughs> Dedicating a whole podcast to chocolate flavours. Well, it could be done, though. Could be done. <laughs> right, so, um, like I said, like we had... Um, we were inundated with emails. Oh, yeah. I, I uh, nourished um, Emma's ego when she got here and told her how popular she was when she came on. That's sweet. Um, <laughs> but in case you did miss out on episode 13, so be sure to have a listen. Emma is a naturopath and iridologist. And so I suppose you could briefly introduce yourself for those that yeah, haven't sure, listened, sure. maybe to keep it brief though. Because <laughs> like, all those that have listened are probably like, yeah, all right. Yeah. But yeah. then you can skip it, can't you? I know you were there the other day, you can actually skip forward by like 15 seconds, which is quite good. If someone's waffling, you can just go skip, skip. <laughs> People might do that you to me all the time. <laughs> They've probably just done that in the last 15 yeah. seconds. Yeah. Like, talking about chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, Emma, a little bit about so, yourself. Okay, so I'm, I'm a naturopath, and, and naturopaths tend to specialise in something. So it might be herbs or homeopathy. And I specialise in nutritional therapy and iridology. And chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm functional medicine based. Right. And all the, the, I suppose the, the major difference with that, I, my own opinion is really that it's, a, it's nutritional therapy, modern day nutritional therapy. So it's not just eat vegetables and eat fruit or whatever from years ago. Um, like old school nutritional therapy used to say that you shouldn't have red meat and you need to be careful of animal products and mm. it was very much leaning towards a vegetarian slant yeah. and nowadays nutritional therapy especially with functional medicine behind it is a lot more uh, research based scientific based so we um, realised they didn't know what they were talking about yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, a bit more focus on molecular chemistry and genes um, and how people are functioning at, at, at a biological level as well. So that's that's really it's a bit more sciencey, I suppose. I'd say. And the iridology, which uh, is Ooh, it? Yeah. Iridology, what a word! Yeah. It's actually, <laughs> is it, to you, you're thinking really, it's just a pretty straightforward word. But I actually really struggled to pronounce it <laughs> the last time, and it took numerous practice attempts, didn't it, to yeah. get it right? So yeah. I'm actually quite proud that I got it right well first done. time this time. Yeah, well done me. <laughs> so yeah, tell us a bit about that. Okay, so it's it's the study of the iris. Mm-hmm. Um, in a, there's classical iridology, which is similar to. Uh, mapping the organs in the iris as you would with reflexology on the feet. I'm sure if we said Irish, 
Irish. <laughs> Did I? That was the whisker I had before I gave me that. Um, the Irish. <laughs> Irish. <laughs> um, and then there's behavioural iridology, which is what we did. I did on you two last podcast, did, very, yeah. very briefly, yeah. which was discovering your behaviour traits, um, which is a very useful tool to have when you yeah, meet mate, people. Again, episode 13, have a listen, because she yeah. got it bang on. Pretty much. Do you do anyway. it when you're chatting with people just in an yeah. everyday sense? Do yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Just start staring into their eyes. Well, I, you can't once you <laughs> men could take that the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is true. Once you've learnt the techniques, it's hard not to have a look because when you when you're talking to someone, you're engaging with their yeah. eyes. So yeah, yeah, cool. yeah no, I get it's, it. It's hard it. not, especially blue eyes, because you can see it much clearer. Because I'm always assessing people's posture. Are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm oh. always like looking. I'm like, look at look at those got like pronating ankles. And, <laughs> and it's just, but it's just natural. You just don't really. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, it's just it's second nature, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, uh, you you actually mentioned this in a lecture that mm. you'll start looking at people on the tube. And, oh yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And start yeah. thinking, yep, they need this. They're like, yeah, in that. definitely. They need some of this. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, I am constantly, always, whenever I'm in a public place, I'm always assessing people. <laughs> and I just, I can't help it. I'm so intrigued by who they are and what they're eating. That's what they're doing yeah. and what they're exposed to and their even like their emotions everything yeah. you can you, you can pick up quite a lot just by observing someone yeah i've started to notice everyone in london just looks Don't tired say eyes are the windows to the soul and... then or something yeah, <laughs> right? yeah of course yeah they are windows to the soul yeah everyone in london looks really tired really gray you, gray, you, you mentioned yeah. this the other day didn't you but it was a, it was like mm. kind of like i suppose rush hour everyone was coming back we yeah. were in forest hill people everyone's coming back from work and Keris was like over on the other side of the road there, that group of people. Everyone no, looks... everyone was crossing the road and yeah. you literally line them up and everyone looked tired. Yeah, they really yeah. do. Just not do. well is the best way yeah. to yeah. describe not healthy, it. Not healthy, yeah. Yeah. In modern day life now, there's no focus on enjoyment mm. and there's no focus on, on laughter and this happiness. If, you're, if you ask someone, this is, this is not within a working environment, it's within a social environment. If you ask people how they are, and if, if their response is, you expect someone's response to be, oh, I'm so busy, and that's almost applauded, because if you don't respond, I'm so busy, or I'm really stressed at work, or I'm stressed in, you know, my parents or my partner, or someone's giving me grief, yeah. it's almost like, oh, well, you're not doing much, are you? Yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas if you say... There's a stigma to that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, there is, there is. It's so true, though, isn't it? It is. I've yeah. never really thought about that, but it's... When was the last time someone answered as well? just really happy <laughs> you can ask me that right yeah. now I'm like, I would answer I'm really happy oh, <laughs> we should talk yeah. about you actually and your dopamine what we were discussing oh before yes <laughs> yes so we so Keris has just done did you do it too Matt no no, no. so Keris has just done the generations course which is about understanding genetic testing yeah. and I was mentioning to Keris earlier that I have a variance on one of my genes that means that I metabolise dopamine at a quarter of the rate of a wild type, which is a normal gene. Right. So that, that means that my dopamine levels remain higher in my body for a much no longer way. period of time. So that means that the, the, the smallest thing can get me really excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll kind of, it's a gecko! <laughs> you know, get, get super excited about things. You don't start crying though, do you? Not no, like no, happy, it's like, it's like type, elation. So, yeah. <laughs> this is why, you see, I don't think Emma needs to drink coffee, and we do. <laughs> <laughs> you don't drink coffee, no. No, but yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm just yeah. so happy all it the time. It tastes so good. Yeah, I like coffee-flavored things, but and I love the smell. Yeah, but a if lot you of give me that, though, a they? cup of coffee, I'm 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 not you know, not that fussed yeah, about it. Not it's not your vibe. Not my thing. Hey, yeah. it's each to their own, right? Plus, it makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. So, thank you very, very much for the questions. What we'll do is we'll steam through a few and then at the end, if we've got time, as I mentioned on the last podcast, Emma um, has helped me in the past uh, a lot with my gut issues and, and that is an area of expertise um, for Emma and she has sorted me out big time. But uh, there's a few things that I believe she wants to modify in my quest for mm. optimal gut health and dare I say this on our podcast, but I actually have a a couple of nail infections, Ugh, which is pretty nasty, and I hate them, and I want to get rid of them. Um, fungal, fungal is oh, the key word Oh, well, let's there. just use that word, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was trying to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And um, yeah, and I, I want to get rid of it. And Emma, Emma is on a mission to get rid of it through really fixing my gut. Want so to get rid of it. <laughs> fingers crossed. Mm. I've stepped out the equation. You need to when it's a partner. You do. Yeah. You do. You, you mm. just. You just two in my face man. again you were the, I think the first person ever to say that in a in a lecture don't try and treat friends and family no you can't because it just ends up turning a bit sour yeah <laughs> yeah plus you get irritated because they don't follow everything you tell them to because they see you as they're either friend or they don't take it as seriously as they would from someone they don't know yeah absolutely I get that though we you know that, that happens all the time right mm. I think self-treating is, is the same though I think people mm. try and self-diagnose and self-treat yeah. and just go around in circles with themselves yeah yeah. It's a similar outcome. Yeah. Alrighty. Mm. So we'll hopefully have time for that at the end. If not, hey yeah, ho, definitely. we can have a podcast. <laughs> right. So let's get into this. So as I said, Emma, um, digestive health, gut health is a an area of yours that you yeah. you thrive in. I we love say. the gut. She loves it. <laughs> so we, you know, there there are quite a few questions. I'll obviously aim towards that for for obvious reasons. So question number one. This is from Samantha Grist who um, she's actually on one of our plans at the moment and I kept getting her name wrong so I hope I did get it right that time sorry if I didn't um, after you told me off <laughs> and, and Samantha has said when you talk of a damaged gut and probiotics and good food healing the gut how do you tell if your gut is damaged uh, or for that matter when it's healed mm. well in terms you can do diagnostic testing but in terms of uh, before we talk about diagnostic testing if your gut is damaged, yeah. then you could have a whole host of systemic problems. So you could have anything, even depression or mm-hmm. random headaches or an itchy eyebrow or, <laughs> you know, just, it, it, and when I say itchy eyebrow, I mean something like psoriasis in the eyebrow. Right, okay. um, you could have achy joints, you could have brain fog, you could have lack of concentration, uh, poor memory. There are so many things potentially that you could have if your um, the integrity of your intestinal lining isn't sound. Right, right. So, so in answer to how do you know without diagnostic testing, from, from the amount of clients that I see where the integrity of their gut lining is, is at, at, well, there's something wrong with them. Yeah. Um, I would probably take a guess and say most people have something going on yeah. with their gut lining yeah. if they're coming to see me as as clients and there is something wrong with them. And would you say if they've had a history of eating yes. processed foods and, and drinking Without or smoking or whatever, yeah. and then obviously now they've got health issues. Yeah, yeah. And stress. Stress is, is one of the biggest things yeah. because raised levels of cortisol will actually thin the mucosal lining. Wow. So, so and we, we touched on stress last time and you two touch on stress quite mm. a lot as well. But it's, import- it's an important factor not to overlook because stress is a physiological thing. It's not just, I'm stressed in yeah. my head. You're actually having changes physiologically in the body when you're stressed. And one of those could lead to intestinal permeability, which is the leaking of this gut lining. Um, but in terms of actually figuring out whether you do have it or not, I got very excited in, in January this year because... Um, in America, they've been doing these tests, which are called Cirex testing. Right. And they are blood tests, blood serum tests. So you actually have to go to, to a phlebotomist to withdraw blood. And now they're actually... So you used to um, do a test for intestinal permeability, which is otherwise leaky gut, um, where you drank a sugar solution. Mm-hmm. And then you collected your urine for six hours afterwards. Right. And it would actually measure to see whether the sugar was in your urine. And if it was in your urine, that means that it's, it's, it's gone through your gut lining. So therefore, you, you, there was, the answer was you have intestinal permeability. However, now what they're doing is these blood tests, they're actually, you have proteins going along this mucosal lining. One of which is called zonulin and the other which is called occludin. And if you have, in your blood, they're measuring markers against those proteins. So if you have your own body uh, and autoantibodies against those proteins, then you definitely have intestinal permeability. So it's more of a reliable test. So when you say intestinal permeability... Leaky gut. Right. Yeah. So by measuring any... um, uh, If you have a, a, a raised response to these proteins, then then there is damage to the gut lining. Wow. Which is I. But this I, is in the states, so. 
well, in January, they brought it over here, right. which is fantastic. Okay. So, and is this the one you said you mentioned you were doing with all your clients? clients? Yeah, yeah. It's like a new toy. Absolutely. It's not a toy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a toy in the, in the sense of the word. It's, it's another Would toy. Like to come and play with Emma. She's got a new toy. <laughs> <laughs> But well, isn't yeah. it, that's also the first step for something like autoimmune oh, conditions, isn't it? So yeah. it's, it's a test yeah. that would be worth any, anyone worth doing, pretty much. I would love to test every client or everyone I know. Is it quite expensive? No, it's £156. Oh, wow. I don't think that's expensive. And then what would you testing. do, get them to retest when? Well, perhaps maybe six months to a year later. Right. Um, but let's say someone didn't do the test then. Like you say, there's there's obviously quite a lot of signals yeah. your body could give you that yeah. the, the gut's off so to speak yeah. um so do you make the assumption now that when people come to you with like you know the symptoms mm. that they do mm. that their gut health does need work yeah because because people can and and i am um as guilty of this as well as, as an individual i would have mm. sworn to you for the last 10 years that my, there was nothing wrong with my gut health mm. And my gut health was was the most the strongest part of my body, and then there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I actually went to a seminar about three years ago, and they they were giving away um, the urine gut permeability test, so the one that I just explained, right. and that came back as positive. Now that blew me out of the water because I thought, what? <laughs> I'm a nutritional therapist. <laughs> what are you talking about? I can't have leaky gut. But I didn't have any symptoms whatsoever wow. at all. That's really interesting. And then, and and then on, and then I've now retested with the the Cirex testing, which is the blood mm-hmm. um, serum sample, and that came back as as negative now. So all, that's like, all I, is good. Yeah, all is good there, which is fine. So nutritional therapy works. Yay! <laughs> and everyone's going. What did you do? What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not. They have to come and see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, basically work on on um, supplements really, and because I mean, obviously my diet was already very good. I like to say, but um, sometimes you need sometimes a diet alone isn't enough, and you also need um, uh, supplemental factors to support that gut lining. Yeah, you so, have to. But obviously, someone like you mm. had no symptoms. The mm. only way for you to know that you had mm. even yeah. you had an issue in the first place let yeah. alone knowing if it was yeah. healed was you had to do this test had right to do the test. but most yeah. people have symptoms most people have when when well when you have a client they're coming mm. to see you for something for, yeah, it's for, very for rare reason, that yeah. you get someone to say oh can i just have a checkup with you so with that in mind what would mm. you say for people to look for when their gut's healing obviously aside when from when their gut's said healing symptoms you, yeah up. exactly said symptoms clearing up and also what you so what you'll notice is is that people will say I don't have any gut symptoms, and I didn't have any gut symptoms, but I noticed after putting myself on a protocol, I noticed that my digestion improved. Yeah. But I would have sworn blind to you that there was no improvement range for my digestion, that I would have said wow. that it was fine, but I'd noticed an improvement. And you'll often find that you, people will say, yeah, but it's got nothing to do with my gut, and my stools are fine, and I don't have excessive flatulence, and etc. And then, then you'll see them again maybe four or six weeks later and they say, do you know what? I've noticed that my stomach is really flat. Yeah. And, and they haven't told you that they had bloating, but because they didn't think it was relevant or they may be perhaps trying to avoid talking about the gut because they didn't think it was asso- their symptoms were associated with it. Well, I think, did we mention this before? I mean, yeah. I, I am quite conscious of repeating stuff that we, heard, yeah. that we spoke <laughs> about before, but mm. didn't we talk about the fact that w- what people consider as normal yeah you know is obviously you know it's not it's a bit skewed like in in today's world because you know most people after a meal they fart and they might burp and whatever and they think that's just normal it's what happens after you eat a meal and it's it's not is it no not really some people like i think i've probably mentioned this my dad thinks it's healthy it's a sign that it's working (laughs) (laughs) everything's working (laughs) a little little clear out that's That's fiber fiber kicking in (laughs) yeah i mean like if like it's okay to fart. There's nothing yeah. wrong with we spoke about bit. farting last time. Yeah. yeah. But but if it has a, a you know, if you're clearing a room, then there's an issue. There's, you know, there's <laughs> fermentation. So there's something's up. Yeah. Yeah. So so in answer to that question, you'd know if you I would I would always presume that somebody does have intestinal permeability. Mm-hmm. My my and this is just going on my own experience. Um let alone the research 
that, that I read. But my own experience with clients is to presume that there is a, an element of gut permeability. Yeah. And normally when you focus on the gut, all other systemic problems clear up. Clear up, yeah. So if, if your friend there, I've forgotten her name, sorry. <laughs> Samantha. So if Samantha is working on her gut mm-hmm. and and she's is noticing improvements, then that's a sign of the gut. Well, I think like you're saying it always kind of ties in doesn't it so like we often have feedback that people feel less bloated and then you know women especially might yeah. then say that their hair and their nails are, mm. are looking better mm. like their skin's clearer yeah. and it's, yeah. it's just a, a, big one, isn't a positive yeah. knock-on effect yeah absolutely yeah so generally just looking for any kind of positive change really yeah. is a sign that your guts stools stools are a big giveaway so looking at sense. your bowel movements so your stools shouldn't be sticky they shouldn't be hard to pass they shouldn't be like rabbit droppings um they there shouldn't be any blood there shouldn't be any mucus um what's the whole thing about it floating or not it should really sink to the bottom if it's floating on on the top there's a lot of air going on no it's normally to do with the the breaking down <laughs> <laughs> matt <laughs> there's a lot of air going on a lot of air in that thing <laughs> No, normally it's to do with the the um, inability to digest fats and, and protein. Oh, yeah, because fat floats. There right? you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And no food good. in it, ideally. Yeah, unless, no food ideally. Unless it's flaxseed or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, we actually we walked to the dog the other day, and some <laughs> other dog owner who chose not to pick up their dog's mess mm. how very dare they, and it was just full of corn. <laughs> <laughs> And I was just, it just reminded me of, uh, do you remember um, Austin Powers? No, what part? Oh no, do I do, yes. With uh, Fat Bastard. Nice. That was the first thing I thought of. But anyway, totally irrelevant. <laughs> we, so, uh, should we move on? Yep. Yeah. Good answer, good answer. Right, so this is from Pete Ferguson. Mm. So he's put bubbly skin, chicken drumstick style, um, <laughs> sometimes with a rash typically on the triceps area. Mm. Is this linked to a gluten or other intolerance? Are rashes generally an intolerance um, or histamine reaction? Mm. Um, well, that those particular bubbles that you get on your triceps, they're like little tiny bumps. So if you, if you all were to run your arm down your tricep, and if it's not smooth and if there's little lumps and, and bumps there, then mm. that can either be related to a vitamin A deficiency or um, an essential fatty acid deficiency, oh. and that that like Kerry said that earlier, I and that was spot on. Yeah, it's been yeah. seen in vegetarians. That was yeah. why they often link it to those two yeah, nutrients. Yeah. But I'd never heard of it being a histamine or. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting point there. Actually, in terms of rashes being associated with a gluten intolerance, I think that that we we mentioned in the previous question that anything systemic potentially you could link back to gut permeability Um, and and generally speaking a rash is inflammation and if there's inflammation then then your immune system is being activated and your immune system is coming from your gut right so i would just just uh, just have the listeners that what what percentage of the immune system is is it's about 70 to 80 percent hefty chance so it's massive um and so, so I would say that any rashes or any random brain fog or anything like that, you could pretty much associate with a gluten intolerance. Mm-hmm. There is so much. Fortunately, I think it's brilliant at the moment. There is so much kicking about about gluten intolerances, and beyond celiac disease, so non-celiac gluten sensitivity now is equally so this is when you're not diagnosed celiac but mm-hmm. potentially you have a reaction to gluten and it, it's seen um as equally as important as having celiac disease in terms of contributing to chronic disease it's really wow. really crucial and often i suppose um you might want to mention the mm. when the doctors test for this oh, sort yeah. of thing. They're, they're never going to test yeah. for any of this, are they? No, Re- no. Realistically, so, so when doctors test for celiac disease, they only measure two markers. Um, and you can actually now do... Uh, there's, there's, um, under the, the gluten protein, which is gliadin, you have, a, you have a, at least 10 markers that can be detected for gluten sensitivity. But wow. often what happens is, and this is, this is the type of client that, that you have where... They're very um, kind of black and white in what they the information that they receive. So, 
I, in fact, this is very recent. I had a client who um, I put her on a gluten-free diet. She noticed significant improvement. And then she went to her GP because she wanted proof that she was potentially celiac, even though I told her she might not be celiac. It's probably just gluten sensitivity. Yeah. And the GP turned around to her and said, oh, you need to eat, rightly so, you need to eat gluten. So she wanted to introduce wheat and gluten back into her diet just to get a test to then prove to her that, <laughs> she, that, she, that she couldn't have it. But wow. she was missing the point entirely, yeah. which yeah. is all of her symptoms went <laughs> on the removal of gluten. Wow. So logically, I mean, that, that blows me away because I think, well, if your symptoms have improved, why would you want to reintroduce a harmful food to prove a point where your body yeah. has already proven that point yeah. in the fact that yeah. you're much better <laughs> without it? So just don't eat it. <laughs> we actually see that a lot, don't we? People yeah. who want to know, um, who, who do an elimination diet, mm. see amazing benefits, but then say, so now how do I go about introducing gluten again? Yeah. And, and it just like, yeah. but, but you were better yeah. off without it. Yeah. And, and you can live without it. It's quite easy. Yeah. I know there'll be, you know, occasions where you might, mm. you know, consume it. But, mm. and it just baffles us because I just don't think gluten-free is, is a hard way to live. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. But I think, I think... I think generally people find it hard because we're we're all completely fixated on this word of convenience. Yeah. And ev- life needs to be convenient in general. So so emails on our on our phones have become convenient. In actual fact, they're a burden yeah. more than anything um, because you're expected to answer in seconds to things yeah. now, yeah. which is you know before you know gone you know I look back and I remember helping my mum, she was a medical secretary, and I remember helping my mum write letters and post them and yeah, you know, yeah. people took time to write a letter yeah. and thought over it. And then when you received the letter, you had time to respond appropriately with thought. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you received the, the reply, it was, you know, everything was much calmer. There was I mean there might have been stress about it, but it wasn't nowadays. I mean I often find I'll send people emails and they don't read it. Yeah, they don't read it, it and they keep asking yeah. you yeah, the, the same, same question questions. and yeah. it's because they're so used to quick quick information mm. that they scan an email and and I I mean I have a lot of patients in patients is in inpatient or patient not, <laughs> <laughs> in, in in the sense of um uh like I will repeat things again you know and I don't I don't judge people for saying well why didn't you read that or why you know it's because I understand that people's mentality that yeah. that's that's what's going through their head which is is mad really everyone, everyone needs to take a you know turn it down a notch and in terms of the scale of life agree. yeah I think it, I think everyone is just overwhelmed all yeah. the time with information and, mm. and funny enough I mean we obviously run our own business so we do the yeah. similar thing we're on our phones too much we're on our laptops too much and yeah. I when I came to see you for nutrition yeah. <laughs> I remember you giving me it was so simple. It was like, it wasn't even five things. And it must have taken me 18 months to implement those five things. And one was just buy some licorice tea. It took me about six months to buy the tea. And then I finally bought it, loved it. And then, like, I have it religiously. Yeah. But I remember I had to keep getting this list out. I need to find my list from Emma again. Because I was like, oh, God, I've only done two things. And one was, I think one was stop checking emails. <laughs> that didn't stop for a long yeah. time. But yeah. yeah now what you're talking about i know i know but it does make me think why is this like it's a why small it bit so of information hard, yeah. but it's so hard for me to take it on and, yeah. and implement it because i've got too much else to do yeah. thing, and so i'm putting health on the back burner yeah and it's almost it's a madness. change to your routine well it's yeah. madness that you're paying someone for health advice and then yeah. just putting it in a drawer <laughs> 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 well, to be fair though, I mean, we could talk about that for ages but yeah. how often do we work with people that pay you you know that invest you know a substantial amount of money in, in your time and, and mm. changing things yeah and then follow none of it or follow it for a very very brief spell yeah. get really good results and then just yeah go against it you know it happens all the time yeah Mm-mm-mm. but this this question that this last question i would say if there are rashes in the body and um, regardless of this bobbly mm-hmm. tricep arm thing it does have a name actually and i've forgotten it i think it's care Keratosis, uh, yeah. something like that. And, um, I love what he called it. Bobbly chicken skin. <laughs> <laughs> that is specifically either vitamin A or essential fats. And what's interesting is, is that vitamin A is actually incredibly important for 
um, the, the integrity of the gut lining. Oh, wow. So then you have to ask yourself, could you be uh, deficient in vitamin A? Or, um, well, yeah, and if, and if so, what potentially could be causing gut permeability? And in that case, it might be gluten. Gluten right. is a big factor in that. So I thought I'd say one thing as well, we should probably mention it. I think we might have said this last time, is vegetarians will often eat um, yeah. but orange vegetables thinking it's the source of yeah. vitamin A, but it's not, uh, you it's mentioned beta last time it's only beta carotene, so they actually yeah. need to go and have a big steak. So yeah. <laughs> <Or an egg. laughs> yeah. would you what what would you recommend for, for Pete then? Um if he's eating gluten, cut mm. it out. Yeah. Or at least, you know, if he's if it, that's a real struggle then if you if you kind of have the mindset of you're doing it for a short period of time, so let's say four weeks, yeah, completely like gluten zero, right? Um, and uh, and then take a fish oil if he's not mm-hmm. already, um, and then see how he feels and potentially. What look. fish oil would you recommend? As in a brand? Yeah. Generally speaking, there there are a few that I like, but the main the main um, thing you need to make sure is that it's been um, filtered and purified. Yeah. Because um, obviously you're taking concentrated amounts of fish, which do contain heavy metals like yeah. mercury um, and pollutants. So when you're taking, I mean, literally a fish oil is the fish being squeezed. So you're, and you need a lot of squeezed fish to, to yeah. enter a, a capsule. In the word you're before, squeezed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you want to make sure that that fish oil is clean. Um, and only the, the best companies will actually openly tell you that. So um, we use Eskimo Brain Shark. I love Eskimo. Yes. Yeah. But you won't find these fish oils in, in like boots or Superdrug or Holland no, and no. That's what people always make the mistake. We're always like, don't, we always say, don't yeah. go to Holland and Barrett. And then they come back and say, oh, I've just got all my stuff from Holland and Barrett. Yeah. 99p <laughs> sales. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, my, my boyfriend's drawer has got an Omega-3 Holland and Barrett <laughs> supplementing. Oh, so oh, as long dear. as it stays in the drawer. Right. <laughs> so I have one, one quick question. Um, what about fermented cod liver oil yeah, versus that's fish got oil? Yeah, because that's vitamin A in it We as get well. asked that a lot. Which one would yeah. you take or would you take both? Um, I would play with both. I, I, there's a lot of hype around fermented cod liver oil. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the vitamin A element is obviously important, especially because we realise that now potentially people are deficient in vitamin A and it's so crucial to the body. I would say both using for different reasons. Um, I don't get to play with fermented cod liver oil too much. Um, so I'd... Where do you use it? it? Well, I go through phrases every time I do anything, like mm. go to Weston A. Price, I get yeah. like, okay, I must take fermented cod liver oil. Yeah. But it, I don't know if it's because it's so disgusting or yeah. what the reason is. And then I just stop taking it. And I always stop with half a bottle left. I do, yeah. <laughs> and then, so there's half a bottle in the fridge now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not taking it anymore. I, don't, yeah. I take fish oils quite religiously. Yeah. But I, I think the, the compliancy of taking a fish oil is better than cod fermented oil. cod liver oil. Yeah. Um, but there, I mean, there were great studies um, showing the, the benefits it. of fermented cod liver oil. The, the guy actually from, oh, what's the company, Green Pastures, mm. um, I saw him speak and he said they won't declare the amounts of vitamin A and uh, D mm. and, and K in the oil because they yeah. don't believe you can measure it. Which got me thinking, there might not even be any in there. <laughs> That's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? No, there probably is loads in there. But yeah, yeah. He, he just said... Um, and his thing was to take two tablespoons a day, and I can just right. barely manage a teaspoon. So yeah, yeah, that's a difficult one. Yeah, I wouldn't ask anyone to do something that I'm not willing to do. So you um, don't take it. I don't Shall take it. it. <laughs> <laughs> not even cinnamon tingle flavour. No <laughs> tingle. Yeah. So you would say, um, aside from obviously generally eating good quality food, cutting out gluten. Maybe investing in a good quality fish oil, but of course yeah. eating oily fish as well. Yeah, absolutely. And vitamin A, where would what would good sources of that be? Liver, liver's really good for Winner, that. Winner, offal. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I love offal. Yeah. There's something really primal about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Egg yolks, butter. Beautiful. Beautiful. I bet there's people going, ooh, ooh. Except for the butter. No. Everyone loves butter. Yeah. Put awesome. butter on everything and everything tastes great. Yeah. This is true. Just put a bit of butter on your liver if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. Do you ask clients to eat liver? I do. Do you? Yeah. And do they, what's compliance like for that? Reasonable. Oh, okay. Some people are, are totally against it. Some people... We normally 
anyone that's against it, we get them to make the pate, pate. don't we? Pate's yeah, a better, yeah. 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 I, I, I normally say um, buy an organic or make an organic chicken liver pate. If you're going to eat liver it's in, or any offal, it's important, obviously, that it's organic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, because liver is, well, it's where you're clearing your toxicants, so you want to make sure that whatever offal you're eating, it's, especially liver, is organic. Right. I heard as well, um, I can't remember who said the thing, it was Paul Jaminet in his book was saying that mm. if it's intensively farmed, it's going to have fatty liver disease, probably because oh, it's yeah. just been fed an awful diet. and yeah. um, Which you do not know, want to exactly, be eating. So you yeah. don't want to be eating mm. that. I thought it was such a, an obvious point that I'd never thought about as well. But yeah. They feed it so much cereal yeah. and corn or whatever. Yeah, grains. Yeah. And just a, a bit of input on the butter front. We normally, um, we do say this a lot, but we steam vegetables mm. and then we... Put the put a, put a knob of butter over Yum. the top and let it melt and coat mm. the vegetables in the butter and it tastes amazing. So that's a great way to get a bit of, yeah yeah bit of vitamin E down. Yeah yeah. Um, did I just say you said E? I said you vitamin meant E. A. I just realised as I said it. I was like, hold on. Why did no one correct me? Vitamin well, I, A. I wasn't sorry, sure my if it was your accent. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Saying I talk funny. Okay, so we got a question here from Deborah Smart, and. Deborah says, what advice would you give for a baby who was born C-section and bottle fed followed by a large spell in hospital on antibiotics with a chest infection? Yeah. Baby is now five months and showing signs of gut issues and lactose intolerance. She put a question mark, so to say, maybe. Mm. Um, I know you touched on this in previous podcasts. Also, any advice on baby weaning and where to start? Mm -hmm. So the baby's five months now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, unfortunately, some people have to have C-sections nowadays. That's true. It's not the optimal birthing choice, because by having a C-section, you're actually missing out on uh, um, ingesting the mm. mother's mucosal bacteria, which then starts off their own microbiome, which is their gut flora as yeah. a baby. It would mean that hopefully then if, if it is a c-section baby which sometimes can't be helped nowadays um then ideally you want to be breastfeeding so in this instance this lady's five month old hasn't been breastfed either so it's bottle fed bottle fed yeah yeah so again with breastfeeding you're actually passing colostrum which is incredibly important for gut healing um, and also building up the integrity of the gut lining um you're passing over um, an incredible amount of nutrients in terms of breastfeeding. But, the, but there are cases where some women can't breastfeed They either, can't breastfeed, right? so. as in this case. So, so again, you're missing out on supporting the, the building of the, the gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. And this, this gut microbiome is developed between birth until up to an age of about two to four years old. And in that period of time... That's then kind of your your kind of level for life as such, and it will fluctuate up and down, but that will be where your gut microbiome lies. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's established yeah. things. Yeah, and so ideally now, what she wants to be doing is is making sure she's giving a probiotic. Ah, so in the in well, whatever. I suppose she's so, weaning now, so, isn't she? Yeah, she's or in, and still weaning, weaning at five months sounds a bit early though. Uh, unless unless that's oh, maybe she's about to start about weaning. to start. Yeah, because ideally, uh, yeah, and everybody's on weaning and where yeah. to start. So she's not started yet. Right. Okay. So ideally, you want to be breastfeeding for at least a year. So in this case, there's no breastfeeding. So. I wonder if the question mark over the lactose intolerance is down to the fact that the baby's reacting or something, which we don't know. Yeah. If that's the case, then you, you can actually buy drops that are that actually help with the digestion of lactose in formula. Oh, wow. On, on the choice of formula, obviously you want to be going for organic wherever as possible. You can try uh, goat's formula. You can get a nice organic goat's formula. But again, if the, if the problem is lactose, then potentially not it's not going to help. But you can actually buy drops to put in the milk to actually help with the, the lactose problem, if it is a lactose problem. Um, but what you, what you could be doing is now adding in particularly um, bifidobacterium, which is a strain of bacteria that's important for a child, for children. And where, where can people get that? Oh, you can get... So actually, do you know what? Biocare do some really good... Uh, child what's strains. it called again? Say it slowly. Bifidobacterium. <laughs> Bifidobacterium. Yeah. That wasn't actually for me. That was for if anyone's taking yeah. notes here. Yeah. I'm sure Thank you had no growth of that on your test, actually, Matt. Really? Oh, I remember yeah, that. I think yeah. That's right, but yeah. this is not about me. Okay. So. Sorry. <laughs> 
But that could yeah. be too, due to the fact that you weren't breastfed. I wasn't breastfed. No, I wasn't either. I was uh, <laughs> forever calling child line when I was young. I was <laughs> mistreated. I'm only joking. Yeah. My mum's a legend. Yeah. Um, and in, in terms of, of, did she say baby led weaning? Um, no, so it was just where to start with the yeah. weaning and what, what sort what, of food what, what, what yeah. you start. So, so, oh, there's so many different, I mean, you could do a whole podcast on this. There, yeah. there are so many different ideas. And do you know what, actually, I think maybe we could do that one yeah. day, actually. Let's get that in the diary of yeah. doing a, you know, a, yeah. a podcast dedicated to kind of yeah. like, you know, baby health, because, baby because weaning. Because the, there's the idea of what's called baby-led weaning, which is where you, you let the baby choose the foods and eat it in whatever. So there's no cutlery, there's no spoon feeding the, the mother or the father to the child mm-hmm. it's all the baby most of it goes around its mouth but the whole point is is that the baby is choosing what it's eating yeah um and but you know i mean that can be I mean, that also the the criticism against that is potentially because it's choosing it's it depends on your selection or, yeah, or what you're actually, what's available yeah, yeah what's available um, but also by doing that, they're actually feeling with their hands the textures, and they're learning about foods. Like if you if mm-hmm. they pick something up and it squishes in their hands, then that's an experience for us. I mean, we might look at that and think that's disgusting, but <laughs> but for for a baby, that it's a learning process and picking up, you know, a, a stem of broccoli yeah. and feeling it and and noticing how it feels and then yeah. how it tastes on the tongue. That it's actually a learning experience for them. I have, I mean, I don't have any children myself, but lots of my friends who are naturopaths have gone yeah. either baby-led weaning or they, I mean, certainly none of them are actually, there's no need, let's get one thing straight, there is no need for you to go to Boots or any supermarket and buy baby food. That There is no reason for babies to eat baby food. It's just a marketing. Yeah. What would be your sort of top... Ten foods to introduce first, and yeah, top I, ten, like the top, <laughs> top five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, no, Matt. No, no. <laughs> no one's got the attention span to ten. <laughs> Off the top of my head, <laughs> um, I think I think things like I think I think five the five foods need to have um, variety in texture and flavour. Um, and I think they need to be solid food. So I don't think remember that a baby's palate is. Um, uh, not as mature as an adult palate, okay. obviously. So something that we might think tastes quite bland actually isn't. It's totally new sensation. So every single single flavour is a is a is a taste sensation to a baby. Mm-hmm. So I think things like mashed up avocado, um, mashed sweet potato, steamed broccoli that's been cooled down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think foods where they can even when they haven't got their teeth through yet. I think foods like to get the gums, like the chewing kind of action going, where they can hold something and generally chew on it with their gums. We well, didn't Chris Cresser say um, he got his daughter on the, it was like a rib bones. Oh, those right. have been cooked, so oh, see they're quite yeah. soft yeah, and yeah, they've got great. bits of, you know. Yeah, yeah. so she could gum it. Yeah. 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 I would I would even <laughs> I would even consider things like bone marrow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Just because I, I think it, you might as well get them started on, on uh, the well, path. A friend of ours, yeah. uh, his son loves liver, doesn't he? Great. Liver, liver and eggs, I think liver he started. Eggs. Yeah, great. Yeah. Eggs, yeah, I do eggs. The main thing is, is that if you go to a supermarket, it's baby rice and rice cakes and yeah. rusks, Farley's rusks, and, and they're not foods. They're not actually foods. Yeah. And, and if you think about, um, especially third world countries, where they don't have any option but to breastfeed anyway, yeah. and then when they actually then move on, it's it's indigenous food. There's no baby food. Mm, exactly, yeah. And and, and certainly one thing, even though I wasn't breastfed, <laughs> one thing my mum did do was she just used to take something of what her and my dad were eating, and mash it up. Mash it up. And you know, but without any salt, but mash it up and feed it to both my sister and I. And that's you don't need baby food. It's and surely that's easier and cheaper. As well, much than, than yeah. buying because yeah. now you're yeah. even seeing um, these milks for what they call like that yeah. continued. I don't know, like so yeah. from the age of one or six yeah. or Support six really. months Love or plus, yeah. yeah, like so almost it's rubbish. Parents are thinking I'm not getting enough through yeah. through good healthy eating, so yeah. I need to add this yeah. supplemental yeah. But milk. But that's really interesting, isn't it? Because because this whole idea is you know. Um, 
commercially and certainly food manufacturers are really trying to push the fact that we all need to be buying processed foods. So if you think about it, if they get in at an early enough age, so from babies, oh no, you know, if you can't breastfeed, then you have formula, which was, you know, is acceptable in some circumstances because some women unfortunately can't breastfeed for whatever reason. And I understand that. But then moving on to a toddler formula, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's the same flavour every time they have it, which is normally sweet. So you're, you're, you're encouraging them to crave this one flavour sweet. There's no variety in, in the taste sensation on their tongue. And you, you're, you're encouraging them to, to think that foods should all taste sweet and that it's coming out. They see what you're doing, whether they can communicate or not, they see it's a packet. So food in the future to them, almost, you you could potentially argue with me about this, but I think that food then is associated with packages and and not coming from fresh ingredients. Food is is something that you buy in a packet. Well, it's like uh, there's actually, obviously, you know, um, like products in the shop mm. that are on the shelves. Mm. See, a, a lot of money and thinking goes into how they're packaged yeah, to totally. draw, you know, adults mm. in, but more importantly, kids. Yeah. You know, they see these lovely, bright, big, yeah. you know, packages. And, yeah, definitely. You know, you always see like kids that are like reaching for the mm, you know, mm. multi pack of what's yeah, it, which. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's not a coincidence that that children respond to bright colours and all of the packaged cereals for example are all bright colours every packaging that a food manufacturer presents all has research behind it in terms of what makes children want it more or even adults want it more Um, and they pay a lot of money into research behind this and you can't help you you only need to walk into there's a whole aisle dedicated to cereal in a supermarket That aisle the choice is makes me so angry. <laughs> I used to be addicted to cereal. It is. It's a joke. I used to, well, I don't know if addicted, but on my, my breakfast used to be Cocoa Pops. Really? Yeah. Cocoa Pops, <laughs> Pop Tarts. <laughs> this is before studying nutrition. <laughs> yes, Kate. <Kevin. laughs> yeah. A long time before Switched I Switched over a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah. She's like, apparently cereal's no good for you. <laughs> so, so I read last week. So what about the... Um... They are gluten-free though, aren't they, Cocoa Pops? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's rice, case... isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go crazy on Cocoa Pops. Probably make your own, sure. Yeah, you can actually. Yeah, yeah. Buckwheat. Chocolate flavour. Uh, do a chocolate that's got Cocoa Pops. <laughs> <laughs> you could actually oh, do yeah, that quite easily. <laughs> We'll be trying that tomorrow. So what about the, um, how would you, is, is the, the testing if a, a baby is lactose intolerant the same as, you know, an yeah. adult? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You could, you could, um, I'd probably do, it's, it's a bit mean to do a blood test on a baby for, for lactose intolerance. So you would just say, kind of make the changes that you suggested? Yeah. And We've actually had a couple of friends have this though, and I just wonder if it's just actually going on to cow's milk at at mm. such an early age and if yes. they tried goats yeah. instead or yeah. even well, cow's milk wasn't really built or created for human babies yeah, yeah. that's the point yeah um, I, I you, think you mentioned actually, before it's like the uh, you see most people yeah. have some sort of reaction to it yeah. on testing that you do so yeah. yes definitely I think it would actually be healthier to use a mother another mother's breast milk See, I said that to you, Matt, but you thought that was just a bit weird, didn't you? Just but how is that any weirder than <laughs> using cow's milk? That's another mother and a different animal. <laughs> well, when you say it like that... Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's about yeah, the, the, the person like, that you're yeah, going to... Yeah. But it could be a friend or family you. or, you know... It but but have to even be. then, when, I mean, that's bizarre to me as well to say, oh, depending on the person, but what about the cow? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. You don't know anything about the cow, do you? You know if that cow's happy or... (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) Whether it had leaky (laughs) gut. That's that's a whole other... I think that will be the way... I mean, you can do it now, can't you? You can buy it online. I've seen something about... What, human breast milk? Yeah, I saw a woman... A woman was selling it online. Sometime it was on the news. I don't know whether it got stopped, but she was selling it online. Oh, and another thing she could do is actually give her baby colostrum. I think you mentioned that. Did you? No, you mentioned no. you mentioned to the you. word colostrum. Oh yeah, to this you, is yeah. We're, we're crossing paths with two different conversations here. <laughs> so go on, carry on. 
So colostrum is obviously initially the, the first part of the milk that a mother produces when she breastfeeds right. and when any mammal breastfeeds. Right. And it's incredibly important for the gut. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of the most, the, the most important factors in terms of healing the gut lining if you have a problem with it. So right now is season for colostrum to be sold in organic dairy farms. Some sell it online, though, don't they? Well, they yeah. sell it online, I don't know. Uh, maybe. Or, or you can actually buy colostrum, a supplement, as opposed to actually getting right. it fresh. But I would say that would... Because obviously the baby's missed out on that colostrum. Yeah. So I would say giving colostrum and, and bifidobacterium. Yeah, 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 definitely. Excellent. Yeah. Right, I think we've got time for one more question, maybe. We have got a few more, mm. but... Um, I'm worried my chicken's going to dry out, <laughs> so <laughs> we will uh, we'll move on. There's a really quick one here. This is from Jenny McCormack Walsh, and Jenny would like to know if there's any information on magnesium deficiency. Can you get enough from dietary sources, or is a supplement always needed, and if so, which one? Mm, that's funny, actually. I had a client on Thursday who's insistent on not taking supplements, and every time I said, you, lot, you need magnesium, and I've been saying this for at least a year now, um, <laughs> she said, but where can I get that from in food? And, and the problem is, is that you use magnesium so much in today's lifestyle. Right. Um, you need it to create energy. You need it um, in terms of cofactors to create um, neurotransmitters and, and other biochemical pathways in the body. So... I think that because of our lifestyles, and, and we're thinking in terms of things like uh, heavy metals. Yeah. So if we have high levels of mercury or lead, etc., particularly mercury, will push minerals out, one of them being magnesium. Um, amalgam fillings obviously being a, a key factor in that, vaccinations, etc. And I think that also that alongside stress, so if you're incredibly stressed, you're going to utilize a lot of the magnesium in your body mm-hmm. i think that food alone is or it's not enough magnesium for us to replenish the magnesium that we're losing in everyday life so if jenny does feel like obviously she's identified that magnesium is a factor for her mm-hmm. then i would say that food alone isn't enough obviously the food sources would be your greens um nuts and seeds some meat as well um, but, you, but you know now that you know like the the kind of quality of the soil exactly. is not what it once was, is it? Yeah. And you know, yeah. the quality of meat. You know, Chocolate can be always questioned. gets mentioned when talking about magnesium. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I dark. didn't even say that. Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate, yeah. Or yeah. Emma's homemade masterpieces. <laughs> I'm not magnesium deficient, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but yes, t- I, I think generally people need a supplement. What I love about magnesium nowadays in terms of nutritional supplemental field mm-hmm. is that you can get all sorts of sprays that you can either yeah. bathe in, which is actually penetrating through your skin and going directly into your bloodstream. And they've actually now shown that the topical applications of magnesium, so whether that's either a spray on the body or bathing in magnesium salts. Oh, we love an Epsom salts bath. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's actually been now proven to be um, more, well, your, your uptake is higher in comparison with oral supplementation. Well, there's um, actually a, a friend of ours, um, Ben Kumar, has created, he, he's a big fan of like, uh, you know, applying things topically, and yeah. like transdermal technology. Yeah. And he's got a pre and post workout spray mm. that, um, you know, he's, you know, invested a lot of time researching. And I've tried it, and I mm. must admit, the the post-workout recovery spray is amazing. Mm. Um, it's very high in magnesium and zinc, etc. Mm. So it's great post-workout, but before bed, yeah. I love it. Like, it just oh, it, lovely. absolutely like, yeah. it knocks me out. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And do you think this is something that often people say, um, do I have to supplement, and then how long? Yeah. And I always think this is something that you've got to do probably for life. Yeah. 
Is that, yeah, I mean, no, I, th I think you need to change up the protocols every now and again. So certainly <laughs> I don't take magnesium ongoingly. And whether that's to do with the amount of chocolate I eat <laughs> or not <laughs> is debatable. <laughs> but um, but every now and again I will feel, mm, okay, I need I need some extra support with magnesium. Oh, but so, so you won't take it? I won't take it ongoingly. No. Even even topically, you don't apply it. Oh no, uh, that's a lie. Actually, I have magnesium baths at least once a week. Okay. Yeah. So, which which I love, um, and I think is important. But I think that has like uh, psychological benefits as well as definitely, definitely. Just you know the magnesium, yeah. just relaxing, yeah. switching yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah, and do you think would you do that with all supplements then? Because we often talk about yeah. zinc and vitamin C deficiency. Yeah, well, well, I often think that that I mean, and and probably Keris, you're as guilty as as any anyone that's studied nutritional therapies that you and this will be for your listeners as well is that you read about something and you think I know I need that and actually you need everything. Um, it's yeah. just that you might need it for a certain period of time and then actually you might need to change things up a little bit. Yeah. Which is why it's important, really, to see a nutritional therapist. Um, <laughs> to to come and spring to, clean your supplement yeah, cupboard. Yeah, yeah. Supplement spring clean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I'm, domain for that. So <laughs> <laughs> I would say, obviously, there are exceptions to that rule, being I personally think that everyone should be on a probiotic ongoingly. Yeah. Um, I think vitamin D is ongoingly crucial. Um, fish oil, you could put in that in that um, little category as well. Um Maybe things like chlorella, because it's really a food. But the thing is, like, you know, when you take a supplement, mm. you know, obviously if someone's deficient in something, like they may be taking a supplement, but ideally everything they're supplementing, yeah, um, they're getting in smaller amounts yeah. from their food anyway, or, yeah. or at least they should be. Yeah. So it's yeah. not as though you're kind of taking yeah. certain things away completely, is no. it? No, no, exactly. Actually, um, there's also, just thinking about that, there's also a lot of people I come across who are trying to out supplement bad habits yeah um, yes. one of the questions we got asked was about drinking and the person said they were taking nac which obviously is a, a, a liver detox support yeah um, as if that's going to help them get away with <laughs> <basically> <laughs> drinking a bit more alcohol and that's something yeah. that um i mean we're a little bit guilty of that at times i'll just like i think sometimes i'll think I've read something about taking vitamin C after <laughs> the caffeine, so I thought, well, I could have a double espresso and then take two capsules of vitamin C and it's fine. See, I'm actually the other way around. I actually, if I've had a bit of a, a blowout, so to speak, I actually don't take my supplements because I feel like there's no point. Oh, on alcohol? I'm on alcohol blowout. Yeah, alcohol or yeah. even like a, some ice junk food. Ice cream. Yeah. Ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I, I think um, uh, Ultra Clear. Do you know Ultra Clear? Yeah, that's a shake. Yeah, that's, that's a bit of a, a, a winner in terms of if... Hangover cure. Hangover before you go to bed. So mm. before you go to bed, you take Ultra Clear and then in the morning your symptoms are a bit lessened. <laughs> Should our podcast guy edit that out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, suddenly this surge yeah. in sales of Ultra Clear. Switching <laughs> the party season. Yeah. So when you talk about herbs, so you think everyone should supplement magnesium? No, yeah? no, not necessarily. Um, I think I think Most. it's I think it's definitely an important mineral without a doubt. Mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't put it in the category for long term supplementation unless you're chronically stressed. Right. <laughs> Um, and you feel you need it. Generally speaking, if you get your food in balance and your, more importantly, your lifestyle in balance, yeah. um, and things important. like your exposure to chemicals, mm. you know, you, it's really, it's very, very, health isn't just about food and supplements. It's, it's an all-encompassing, um, I suppose, assault from life and all its different aspects totally 100% so so it's very easy to kind of get fixated on I must be eating this or I must be supplementing that and you then start to forget that actually do I need extra support in different areas for different reasons and you'll mm -hmm. only really learn that if you have someone assessing you yeah this is true and I think working with someone as well kind of provides accountability yeah. which for me near enough everybody needs I mean yeah. even you know, we need accountability, which is yeah. why, you know, I then worked yeah. with you mm. as opposed to Kerius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wasn't the it same. just shouted at you. <laughs> exactly. You just told me off all the time. Um, mm. You know, just having that accountability just always mm. works. And that goes for nutrition, supplements, mm. 
getting more sleep, mm-hmm. reducing stress, taking yeah. more time out, etc., etc. Mm. Um, but just quickly, yeah. magnesium mm. as a supplement, mm. not topically a tablet. If you was to yeah. suggest one, yeah. what would it be? Because there's different types, right? There's different types, um, and there's different types for different reasons as well. Generally, magnesium gluconate, magnesium citrate, they're better sources mm-hmm. of magnesium. Would you ever take both? Yeah, or? you could take both. Right. Yeah. Um, what magnesium do you take magnesium? We are taking uh, glycinate at the moment. We were on citrate, but then we switched to... Yeah, yeah, we, we, we like to mix good. it up, don't we? <laughs> yeah. 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 But then also changing the time we take it, because yeah. I think we went through a phase of... We're a bit guilty of we'll work quite late some nights, yeah. and we end up a bit wired, Yeah. and we take the magnesium to help us calm, um, calm down, calm down mm. switch off and sleep. Um, mm. We were doing that in Passion Flower, weren't we? Yeah. Nice. And then mm. finding that we couldn't wake up very, as in a bit drowsy mm. when we woke up. Mm. So then switched, well, I switched to having a bit of magnesium at lunchtime and a bit. You were after. spreading it out. Yeah, bit, spread, spreading the dose yeah. a little bit. No. But ultimately, I need to just stop working at night. That yeah. <laughs> I don't need well, to. There you go. That's, that's <laughs> the thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we use it, but we're using it to buffer a, a less than, uh, a less than, I was going to say less than perfect, but we're not, never going to be perfect, but a less than great mm. lifestyle choice mm. at the moment. Mm, mm. Um, whereas when I think we we notice the healthiest we are and the least, I would say the least supplements we take is on holiday. Yeah. We just hardly take any, do we, when we're yeah, on holiday? Yeah, but then you're relaxed, you have the sunshine. Absolutely. You're away yeah. from your flat and training your um, your clients, etc. It's a totally different environment. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is obviously when we go on holiday, we... We don't just kind of, you know, we'll have like a treat and stuff, yeah. you know, we'll have a bit of wine and yeah. uh, the ice cream parlours in Portugal are pretty epic. <laughs> um, but most of the time, you know, we're eating lots of like fresh fresh fish, lots mm. of salads, vegetables mm. and whatnot, yeah. and we're obviously yeah. we're out in the sun a lot. And you're probably not, are you cooking for yourself when you go? Yeah. Or you are as well? We do both really, don't we? we well, when we eat bit, out, yeah. we always eat fish when yeah. we're, um, because it's always so much nicer there. Yeah, and then if we're cooking for ourselves, we'll do, again, like... Salads yeah. and things like that, don't we? Yeah. So we, yeah, we just. Whereas, whereas a lot of people, though, the, the reason I raise the point is most people when they go on holiday, it's like, mm. yeah, I'm on holiday, you just get drunk yeah. every day, eat crap yeah. and whatnot. So yeah. probably wouldn't reap the yeah. kind of benefits that a holiday should yeah. offer, so yeah. to speak. That's interesting, isn't it? Because the uh, the concept of going on holiday is to give your body a break. Yeah, yeah. And I never, I never understand that kind of go on holiday and blow out and everything. Everything, mm. yeah. Because that that's not a break. No, no, <laughs> it's I like you, you come back almost needing a holiday for the holiday. Yeah. Because yeah. whilst you're there, you obviously you're on holiday, yeah. so you're running on adrenaline and you're yeah. happy, there's no responsibility yeah. and then you come back. Because obviously like we've had those holidays, you know, in the yeah. past where we have just kind of gone crazy. And you come back and thank God for suntans because mm. it just disguises <laughs> so much. Everyone's like, you look great. Like, really? like, crap. You know, I remember when I came back from my for quite a few years ago. And I had this lovely tan. It was amazing. Mm. But I think I must have had about four hours sleep for the four days that I was there. Yeah. But everyone told me that I looked amazing. I looked fantastic. I looked so healthy. Mm. And inside mm. I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my body was just yeah. packing up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, totally uninterested in what I had to say. <laughs> so on that note, I'm starving. The chicken is smelling good. I think it's ready. So let's wrap it up. Awesome questions. Sorry for the ones that we missed, but we will cover them at another time. Uh, Emma, thank you again. It's been an absolute pleasure. (laughs) And yet again, we have just exceeded our usual duration just because it's so amazing talking to you. And of course, Keris, thank you (laughs) for being you. Okay, folks, so we'll see you over in episode 18. In episode 18, we've got a cracking interview with um, a guy from DNA Fit, Andrew Steele, who is a British um, athlete. He's a 400-meter runner, um, but also knows a thing or two about, um, you know, like the DNA testing, etc. And, um, yeah, it was just a great interview, generally about his journey. His story is amazing. Uh, coming from an athlete's point of view and, and how he got onto the DNA testing and we actually assessed our results didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> they were shocking. Um, no they weren't really. Um, but yeah so that was a good interview so be, be sure to tune in then guys and we'll see you then. Have a cracking day and enjoy whatever it is you're doing. Bye. Bye.